This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hello, I'm Grongy McGuire, and this is Chantel Fiducci and Pate. Hello. We bonded over our love of reminiscing about weird celebrity couples. The ones no one would believe happened if Google wasn't there to back it up. We want you to join us as we remember when love was young, times were simpler, and we really thought that Angelina and Billy Bob Thornton were going to make it. Every week we're joined by a celebrity guest to discuss the showbiz romance they never got over. So take our hand and stroll down memory lane with us as we remember the the way way they were. Hi Chantelle. Hi Grania, how are you my darling? I'm thriving and highly blessed. How are you? That's what I want to hear. I'm very well, thank you, very well. Keeping toasty thanks to all the coats. I'm very excited about the Harry and Meghan documentary <sighs> dropping on Thursday. I honestly can't. Wait, is it it's the, it's next Thursday or this Thursday? It's coming up soon. It's imminent. It's either just happened before you hear this episode or it's about to happen soon. But I am beyond excited about this. What are you looking forward to the most? First of all, I just love rich people who take themselves too seriously. Mm. And and it's so arbitrary because it's all nonsense. But the whole like Harry and Meghan V, William and Kate, it's so guilt-free because totally... the stakes are so low. <laughs> oh, you're so right to put it like that. It's so true. We can both just, we can all, sorry, bitch about them. And it doesn't actually, they're fine. They're all completely fine. <laughs> Everything's going to be okay for both of them forever. <laughs> I'm sorry. If anybody really gets emotional and upset about something like you've got bigger issues because it's just it's a load of people in tiaras shouting and crying at each other (laughs) literally it so does not affect us at all it's great everybody involved has servants everybody None of them have cooked a meal in their lives yeah. ever. Maybe Megan. Maybe Megan when she was a struggling actor. I'll, I'll give her that. Yeah. Maybe as an actress, Megan was. But she hasn't done it in a while. She's forgotten, I promise. <laughs> she has definitely forgotten. She makes Gwyneth Paltrow look down to earth. Yeah, and, <laughs> you know, we're a Gwyneth Paltrow podcast. So. And we're a Gwyneth Paltrow fan podcast. But, oh, I can't wait, indeed. Another thing I'm very excited about is our readers' letters thoughts concerns so the only thing i'm looking forward to more than hearing harry and megan complain is hearing (laughs) from you our listeners not complain (laughs) about us and about celebrity romances throughout the year it's we need to hear from you all all the details are on our instagram accounts our twitter accounts you can email us at the way they were pod at gmail.com Look us up on all the socials. We are dying to hear from you. We have a very special episode to come. We want to hear your thoughts. And also, as I keep trying to say, for any relationship queries, oh. 
my dream is to be an agony aunt. Oh. And so I would love to hear some relationship problems yeah. or questions you have about your own love lives. We're here to help. We have experience. We know what we're talking about. Okay. We've, we've been through a lot this year. We trust spent me. a year basically doing a PhD and why some relationships don't work. So yeah. we've got, we can really give you advice on like, well, do you know what? Gwyneth was in that very same situation with Brad and this is how she dealt mm-hmm. with it. We basically got JLo and Ben back together. So think of what we could do for you. Speaking of icons, we have one as our guest on this week's episode. We do indeed. He is an absolute joy, a treasure. He's a credit to the English nation. He is one mm. of the best comedians on the circuit at the moment. It is the fantastic Tom Ward. The, the way they were. Hi, Tom. Good evening. Thank you so much for being on our podcast. You're very welcome. It's very flattering to be asked. You've got a very good radio voice. Do I? You should do ASMR videos. What's that? Where you know, like... people say like really relaxing things in nice dulcet tones. You would do well at that tone. Yeah, I mean, I you think do I'd voiceover be... work, don't you? I do, yeah. I narrate documentaries mainly. But I don't normally do it in a very chilled voice. So I'm actually, they always ask me to make it as dramatic as possible. Well, this would really suit you. ASMR is purely about having a chilled voice. You're just putting yeah. people to sleep. Is there good so... money in it? Oh, yeah, you can make real good. You can have a, make a living out of it. This right. may be an off-podcast conversation we could have. <laughs> I, think, I do think no, but you look into it. Breakups, I think men should hire you to break up with their girlfriends because I think I, your voice is so oof. reassuring. They'd yeah. be like, oh, my God, I'm upset, but weirdly just more calm and relaxed. Yeah, it's going to be all right. Yeah. I can imagine Tom saying it's going to be all right. I'd, I'd really believe it. The thing is, I've got the. I think I've got the kind of vibe where... If I broke up with someone's girlfriend for them, the girlfriend would then become fixated on me. That's the oh, kind of. Right. I think that that's my. Lot? I think that's my demographic. <laughs> broken women. <laughs> freshly, <laughs> freshly broken women who need reassuring, sort of fatherly vibes around. He just swoops on in. <laughs> well, speaking of which, we obviously are a very romantic podcast. It's about you very. know doomed love do you consider yourself a, a romantic person tom i do actually yeah i love i love romance i've realized quite late in life because i'm 73 that i really like having a girlfriend when they're not someone i dislike oh you just realized this when you going out with someone you like you fancy and you don't find incredibly annoying it's really nice <laughs> Do you have a lot of experience in that? Yeah, I do, yeah. Oh, great. I always, I always used to think that it was like a commitment issue, but it's more like it's just an issue with just being irritated. <laughs> you just didn't like them. Yeah, I just found them annoying or we just didn't really work. <laughs> so what's the most romantic thing you've ever done for somebody or it's ever been done for you? Uh, ooh, well, Freya, who I'm going out with now, she made me a zine for valentine's day which was so cute and she filled it with cutouts and uh, not only just photos of us but also like references to us that she'd kind of turned into images and graphic art and graphic design and collages and and it was just so cute i thought because until then because we've been going out for three months by then and i thought she didn't like me um (laughs) But this is probably just personal um, projection. And then she gave me this zine. And I was like, she's made me a bloody zine. Is your girlfriend Zoe Deschanel from 10 years ago? <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, it's an extraordinary time loop kind of, um, yeah. 
But um, yeah, no, she's not. She's not Zoe. De Ch- is it Zoe de Chanel? Zoe Dachanel. I did that she? once. I did that once for a boy, by the way. I made a collage zine thing. Yeah. And then I was really, I spent all night doing, I spent like two nights doing it, cutting up pictures, writing little captions. I did so much for it. It was this huge, great, big, massive, I just loved it. And he loved it as well. But then we broke up like six months later and I took it with me because I was like, I put <laughs> a lot of work into this. And I don't think you ever fully appreciated it. So I still have that fancy now. <laughs> I just, and I feel like I deserved it. But if your boyfriend finds, <laughs> Finds that like in amongst your socks, a magazine you've made about another man. I think mm. I showed it to him like this. As it looks, <laughs> this is the kind of thing I will do as a girlfriend. Isn't it great? <laughs> yeah. Do you want to go out with me? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. A little sort of here's what you could have. Yeah, exactly. It worked. <laughs> it's very sweet. I was very moved. I was very moved. Well, that, that's actually more impressive than than buying something for someone, isn't it? It's like she totally. spent two weeks just tracking down people she needed to get a certain cut of the picture or whatever, and like, wow, she was doing like covert printing at her job and stuff. Oh, I was like, I just what, love that. What, what did what did you give her? I forgot. It was Valentine's. <laughs> no. Well, I don't like I don't like Valentine's Day because it's like capitalism, like telling me when to love my girlfriend, and I will object to that. Um, but the next day to say sorry I went to no I uh what did I get her I took her away took her to a hotel in Liverpool City of Romance City of Romance is it it's great oh yeah yeah I love Liverpool yeah Yeah. Beatles slave trade it's got everything (laughs) (laughs) yeah I mean uh, it was lovely we just sort of stayed in the hotel for four days Uh, mind your own business um For someone actually, you know, like when an old person asks you what you did when you were in Liverpool and they want to know about all the culture you went to see. I was mm-hmm. like, she, she said, did you go to that uh, Gormley Beach? I was like, no. Did you go to that museum? No. We just stayed in the hotel and had sex for four days. All right, just get off my back. <laughs> That sounds great. Speaking of hot and heavy iconic couples. Ooh. Oh, here we go. Here we go. You picked a very special one. But as always, little Chantel, she's a fool. She doesn't even know who we're talking about. Oh, so. come on, Chantel. <laughs> I know. So let me provide you with a few breadcrumbs to okay. find this glorious couple. I'm really so I intrigued can... to see who Tom has chosen. Oh, it's a good one. So I can tell you, they got together in the golden year of 1993. Okay. Let me set the scene. Bill Clinton has just been sworn into office. Billy Crystal is hosting the Oscars. And a little show called The X-Files is making its debut. But that's not all that was going on. Because this pretty baby met her centre court bad boy. Oh, it's um, Andre Agassi and Brooke Shields. (laughs) Very, yeah, very good. yeah, very I know. I, good. I know, pretty baby. Don't talk to me about child porn masquerading as artful cinema. I know, pretty baby. <laughs> That's my favorite genre too. Right? Interesting, isn't it? Is that how you and Freya met? Oh, did she? <laughs> Great choice. This is an underrated choice as well. Oh, I'm very, very. I also I used to be obsessed with Andre Agassi as well, mm. and I'm to this day obsessed with um. Blue Lagoon, original and oh, yeah. the sequel with Mia, Mia Jovovich. Absolutely love it. So, yeah, I'm in. Let's get involved. This Good. is great. So, Tom, when we asked you to be on this podcast, why was it this couple that you wanted to talk about? Well, I just read Agassiz's book uh, and it's absolutely <laughs> mind-blowing. It's so brilliant. It's so brilliant. And I sort of fell in love with Agassiz. 
And then I was basically, and the whole relationship was just because I'm obsessed with the '90s, and I just, I just sort of oh, the nostalgia I have for the '90s is like a sort of creamy, warm feeling that fills me up. Even though I was pretty much miserable the whole '90s, it's weird how <laughs> nostalgia works. And I just found the relationship really interesting, and I thought it was really sort of sexy. And it's, it's just when two heavy hitters get together, mm, you know, when yeah. two big guns. And they, yeah. you know, they're exponentially, they're even bigger than the two combined. It's like a great tennis player, gorgeous tennis player, gorgeous actress. They're good looking people. And looking um, at pictures of them from this period, they almost looked like brother and sister. Totally. Like they had that like tawny, mm. blondie hair and the dark big eyebrows. eyebrows. Oh, yeah. The eyebrows. Amazing. Yeah. Big eyebrow couple. Yeah. They don't make yeah. them like that anymore. They don't make them like that anymore. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Maybe this was pre plucking. I think maybe the the aggressive plucking of the female eyebrow particularly was more of a late later. Yeah, 90s that was a late thing. 90s thing. Yeah. Oh, Brooke Shields was famous for her brows. Don't get me wrong. Mm. Brooke, I mean, Cara Delevingne is only around because Brooke Shields was there first. So don't get right. it twisted. Brooke Shields yeah. is the eyebrow queen. Before we do a deep dive on their romantic CV, everybody right now is screaming at their phones, but what about their star signs? So I can tell you. <laughs> Brooke Shields, May 31st. She's a Gemini queen. Gemini. Mm. We haven't had a Gemini in a while. Andre Agassi, April 29th. Taurus is Taurus. Oh my God, we're getting so many of them these days. Come on, bulls, let's go. <laughs> So, Tom, I'll go to you mm. first. According to the literal stars that decide our fate, what is the compatibility rate of a Gemini and Taurus in a relationship? What do you think? How compatible do you think those two are? Are you taking notes? <laughs> oh, yeah, I am, actually. Yeah, look, it's a pen. <laughs> yeah, I keep noticing. I think Tom's our first guest to take notes. Al- always There's no take test notes. at the end. So, <laughs> this Gemini, feels like a quiz. Just I feel like, nice time. I feel scared. Uh, is there a wrong answer? No. Um, percentage of their compatibility. Well, I, as someone who knows nothing about star signs. Yep. And the, well, they were together for a few years. Mm-hmm. Mm, but yeah, there's, I'm going to say 24, 34. If this helps, Chantel is Taurus. 35 to 40%. 35%. 35%. Okay, interesting. 35%. Chantel? Gemini, let's see. My mom was a Gemini. I was a Taurus. We got along really well. So based on that, which <laughs> means nothing, I'm going to say 98%. Wow. Okay, well, I can tell you. According to their horoscopes, the relationship between Taurus and Gemini doesn't give much promise to begin with. Gemini, so that's Brooke, Mm. likes things fast while exciting. And Taurus, Andre, would like to examine everything from the beginning to the end, set the value of each activity and thoroughly decide if they would want to repeat it or not. This will drive their Gemini, Brooke Shields, crazy. Taurus, Andre Agassi, will give Gemini... Brooke Shields, their connection to planet Earth, to their body and their daily routine, giving them a base for health and normal functioning. In return, Gemini, Brooke Shields, will give Taurus, Andre, wings and better yet, teach them how to fly. Compatibility, 23%. Oh, yikes. Tom won. But crikey, these guys, they never stood a chance, according to the stars. It's not great, is it? Not a great start. Oh, my God. Where to begin with Brooke Shields' backstory? So, her parents divorced when she was five months old. Oof. When she was five days old, her mother said, this kid should be in showbiz. (laughs) I mean, she was right. So, (laughs) 
But mums always say this kind of crap, don't they? They do. She's a star. Yeah, you're right. I knew from five days old that she was going to be a star. So uh, her mother, Terry, was basically just the ultimate stage mother. Yes. Uh, she said about Brooke, she was the most beautiful child and I'm going to help her with her career. So she started basically as a model. She started as a, her career as a model when she was 11 months old. Was she a Gerber That's baby? 11 months old. She must have been a Gerber baby. Is that, do either of you know what a Gerber baby is? No. Oh, it's a really big deal to be a Gerber. Gerber is a brand of baby food in America. This is a tiny, tiny tangent, but it's a really big, I think Drew Barrymore was a Gerber baby. Uh-huh. It's a, if you if you start as baby modeling, like that's like, the, that's the top tier. Is to be the Gerber baby, and your face is on the jars of baby food of Gerber baby wow. food. I bet you Brooke Shields was. Do you think the other babies like give you give you shit for it in the nursery? Yeah, because they're like <laughs> yeah. all, they're on the store brand. Oh, you think you're so Here comes good. Gerber. <laughs> they don't let her in the sandbox. Well, so poor Brooke, she was very much pushed into modelling by her mother. She their relationship was very sort of very difficult. Her mother struggled a lot with addiction and she really, you know, she basically had to be, Brooke had to be an adult from a very young age. The father she, just wasn't in the picture at all then? No, not in the picture at all. Okay. Her mother it was a very unboundaried relationship. Her big break was when she was 12 years old and she played child prostitute in iconic Pretty film, Baby. Pretty Baby. Great film. Really, The bathtub scene is something you won't forget <laughs> i haven't seen it actually do you recommend it or is it do i get if i if i stream it will there be like a, a government yeah, you might end up on a list will the government be warned <laughs> it is quite it's quite uh it's worth watching because it's not it's not a bad film it's just quite unbelievable that it was made i think hmm. susan sarandon played her 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 mama mm-hmm mm. Which you kind of think, you know, it's awful. She's a child prostitute. I haven't seen it, but in my head, I'm like, well, if Susan Sarandon was her mother, she kind of, it can't be that bad. It can't be that bad. And it's set in New Orleans and was filmed in New Orleans. So I highly recommend it for the scenery. Watch it for the scenery. There you go. You can tell yourself you're watching it for that. (laughs) (laughs) So this film makes her just notorious. She's like a notorious at at the age of 12. She became like this real sort of flashpoint because she, she was so beautiful and she looked so much older then her years, so Your she Honor. became like a really famous <laughs> model and actor, and she was hanging out in Studio Fifty Four. Wow, she's she dating Michael and she date Jackson. Well, apparently. she was very close friends. They were mates. Oh they were mates. They were, they were mates. <laughs> so little Brooke Shields, she's booking away Studio Fifty Four. You know her her mom's there doing shots at the bar. She's having quite a moment, but she sort of yearns for a bit more stability. So she goes to Princeton University where she meets her first proper boyfriend, his first appearance on the podcast, a little actor you may know as Dean Kane. Oh, wow. That is a not a couple I expected are even the same age, but I guess of course they are. Dean Kane, a Superman TV show fame. Yeah, I remember watching it and hating the fact that he gave away who he was to her and that killed it. Do you remember? He gave away to Terry Hatcher that he was Superman. I was like, you can't do that. I mean, it did suffer narratively after that. That was like when (laughs) Jennifer Aniston and Joey got together in Friends. It was like, come on. So she's uh, Dean Kane, her first proper boyfriend. She said that it was sort of really good. It was like a real stabilizing time in her life. She kind of was away from her mother. She was allowed to be young. But then when they finished university, Brooke wanted to stay in New York to pursue acting, whereas Dean moved to Hollywood. So they split up, but they stayed good friends. 
So then Brooke entered her bachelor stage where she dated, apparently, John Travolta. Mm. He apparently is doing a lot of work in that, yeah. that one. <laughs> Liam Beeson and JFK Jr. Wow. God, she does not have a type. Yeah. <laughs> just, just, just anyone around whose name I recognise. <laughs> Meanwhile, across America, a little boy called Andre Agassi is being brought up. So he too basically was a child star because his dad was an Olympic boxer and he put a lot of pressure on Andre to like to play tennis. I guess he talks about that he had a very unconventional childhood because his dad, he was Armenian, but he, was, uh, he grew up in Iran and they moved to the United States and uh, that his dad was very demanding and quite emotionally abusive that he groomed young Agassi to be like this great tennis star and that he built a tennis court in their backyard and really put huge pressure on Andre to be this big, you know, prejudiced talent. Mm -hmm. And he was sent off to tennis boarding school and he went professional at the age of 16. Yeah, yeah, Didn't yeah. he always kind of hate playing tennis? Am I right in saying yeah, that? Yeah, he hated it. And he, yeah. he talks about it constantly in his autobiography about how much he hates it. Yeah, I think I saw him doing the um, interview tour when that book came out. I never read it, but I remember that being a big takeaway that I was surprised, surprised this guy who's amazing at this game despises every single second of playing. <laughs> he has never had any joy from this at all. Mm. It's horrible. Yeah. And he, ha and he was wearing a wig as and well. And he was wearing a wig. That was the other big takeaway. But in the beginning, it was his real hair. It for was a his second real hair. Well. And then he had to get really good toupees. Yeah. To cover Yeah, I remember it when up. I found that out. That was... Oof, that was yeah, like Dylan I mean. going electric. That was just too much for me to take. <laughs> when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So he's under all this pressure to, you know, pursue this dream for his parent. Oh, mm. I wonder, does that sound familiar to somebody else? <laughs> um, and he's not really getting any joy from it, but he is very successful. And his success means that he's meeting and dating some very interesting people, including, do you know one of, the, one of his earliest romances with? Barbara Streisand? Friend of the podcast, Barbara Streisand. Wowzer. Mm. 27 years older, was it? She, so nice. this, is what, this is what he says about her. We agreed that we were good for each other. So what if she's 28 years older? So what indeed? Uh, I bet she taught I, him a thing or two. I just love a younger man with an older woman. I you just do love can't, that. Oh, I, that's my favourite. I think a lot of women do. Yeah, women get really into that. And considering who he is now with... He does have a type affair because they're not, they're not too dissimilar looking, Barbara mm. and uh, Steffi. You're talking about having a good nose? Is that what you're I'm saying? saying I'm saying a nice strong nose helps out. Mm. That's right. This is what he said about Barbara. We're simpatico and the public outcry only adds spice to our connection. Mm. <laughs> Amazing. This is great. It makes our friendship feel forbidden, taboo. Another piece of my overall rebellion Dating wow. Barbara Streisand is like wearing hot lava. <laughs> well, that's his trainers, isn't it? That's what his trainers were called, hot lava. Oh, really? 
And do you know why I know this? Is because I have his trainers. I wear Andre Agassi's oh, trainers from the early nineties, and they're called Hot Lavas, and they were designed for him based on his personality, on his rebellious nature. Are they comfortable trainers? Are they're they good unbelievable. Trainers? They're such good trainers. I have oh. three pairs. Are they really expensive? They are quite expensive. Yeah. yeah. But so you never you know keep what it's on like. hammering eBay, you'll find yourself a cheap pair eventually. <laughs> Tom, you know, now know what it's like to date Barbara Streisand. What, as in to yeah. walk in his shoes? Yeah. yeah. Like every time you put those shoes on, you're like, this is what it must be like to date Barbara date Streisand. <laughs> I don't fancy Barbara Streisand, but I really, like you, I'm impressed that she was 27, 28 years older. And But it's interesting that he calls her a friend, isn't it? He called her a friend. He didn't call her a girlfriend. That implies... It makes our it friendship feel forbidden. A friendship. Mm. Friendship. Why is, it, why is he calling her a friendship? Why isn't he calling her his lover? Maybe he just respects women, Tom. Heard of maybe, it? Maybe, maybe they just weren't <laughs> shagging. I think Tom were might be onto something there. You maybe right. they were having very meaningful cuddles. <laughs> and he liked the fact that the press got in a stir, and that was it. <laughs> well, speaking of getting into a stir, things are about to get shaken right up because in 1993, they're introduced by Lindy Benson, wife of musician Kenny G. Lovely reference that, isn't it? It is, yeah. And they were all so hanging out 90s. with Michael Bolton as well, weren't they? Michael Bolton was around. God, these are just some aggressively uncool celebrities hanging out with each other. <laughs> they, just they, they, they knew their lane. <laughs> In my head, they're all wearing really high-waisted denim jeans. Mm. The men all have long hair. Or good suits. I would imagine the men would be wearing lovely linen suits or quite boxy, boxy suits with tucked-in um, tucked T-shirts. Yeah. With nice little thin leather belts. Yeah, very, 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 yeah, exactly. Very Miami Vice, but 10 years too late. That suits them. So they fell in love almost immediately. And it really, they, their way of really like falling even deeper in love with each other was she went to film in South Africa mm. and he wooed her by sending long, heartfelt faxes. I love that. Oh, nice. I love that. And he didn't have a fax machine, so he had to go to his friend's house and get his friend to send the faxes from his machine. And then his friend would ring him and say, hey, Andre, we've got another fax from from Brooke. (laughs) (laughs) And and then his his trainer, Gil, would help him uh, draft his responses. So his trainer was doing it. This is a, his trainer was the one kind of this is a bit Cyrano de Bergerac vibes. I don't trainer know. was the one really in love. Oh, right. Yeah, no, I, th- I think it was just his trainer was very prominent in Andre's life. Oh, like I a, see. So even like his love father. letters to Brooke Shields were via the trainer, I see. He helped him. He helped him. Was. Yeah, yeah. His, his trainer wasn't in love with Brooke, as far as we know from the book. As far as we know. Mm. Then in, so a year later. Makes a great m- sound though, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, it does. Yeah, between that and the old modem, these two really knew the 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 audio, the audio sounds of love. Do you think is it like you know um, Pavlov's dog that would then whenever she heard a fax machine, she'd be all like Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> to this day. <laughs> She walks into a museum of the 90s. Oh, God. She has to go see herself in the bathroom. (laughs) So a year later, she had a foot injury. He carried her from room to room. So she wouldn't have to walk around in crutches. So So sweet. She had to have like double foot surgery, didn't she? Because she had to have both of her feet broken to be reset or something. 
So Tom, do you think because they had such, do you think this is why they were so attracted to each other? Because they had such, they came from very different industries, but they had such a similar sort of childhood being pushed by their parents into careers they didn't really choose for themselves. Mm. It's probably, yeah, it's probably a lot there because, you know, the psychologists talk about that, don't they? They say that you're going to be most attracted to someone whose childhood has shadow echoes of your own. That's the that's the main attraction, apparently, that and smell. And voice. Um, those are the big three. Any Childhood, more? smell and voice. And personality. And nice eyes. And money. Yeah, money. Uh, good chemistry. Uh, nice eyes. Good family uh, that you get along with. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, if you like their parents. Um, <laughs> if you work well together when you're on holiday and you both like to do the similar sort of things. Same place in music. You like the same yeah. movies. Yeah, yeah, if you both like bouldering, that's quite nice. Yeah, no, apparently child, you know, childhood, uh, key childhood experiences or the emotional tone of your childhood is uh, is what holds oh, people well, together. These two were a match made then, sounds mm, a bit. Yeah, yeah. Imagine if you will, we're not just on a Zoom call, we're in a time machine and we are heading back to the golden years of the mid-90s. Everybody, like I said, is wearing sweaters tucked into high-waist washed denim jeans <laughs> and everybody's got big hair and amazing eyebrows <laughs> just washed not stone washed just clean jeans <laughs> back then in the 90s was well, geeks with washing their jeans yeah the early 90s was quite a dirty grungy time and then the mid 90s yeah. almost willfully set Everyone itself against up. it didn't it we must wash these jeans <laughs> you've got a phone call Tom, mm. and it's Brooke and Andre, they're in town, and Oof. they want to know if you want to head out. What do you imagine a night out with Brooke and Andre during the height of their golden 90s glory being like? What do you imagine? Oh, I would imagine it'd be, I think she liked taking him to this sort of little Italian restaurant, uh, which was kind of like a very traditional, very family-run kind of romantic vibe authentic yeah so i think i think she'd probably be in charge yeah and he'd be quietly soulfully by her side with his beautiful eyes Mm -hmm. and lovely eyebrows Mm. and it would have lovely bottles of red wine uh wrapped in wicker yeah Yeah. and the manager would know us by name and remember our names next time and if i told him something he'd remember yeah tom how is the comedy (laughs) (laughs) um that kind of thing and I'd really take to him because that would really tap into my sense of specialness <laughs> but I think we'd sit Ken, in the corner is and Kenny it'd be lovely G and there is Michael Poulton arriving do you think anybody else is going to join you yeah I are they a hope, party couple or are they more uh, into yeah. it no Brooke would bring people in she'd have lots of friends in the in the business she's a, I think she'd bring in a lot of people Andre probably wouldn't he just wants to have a quiet time and focus on one person at a time I would reckon mm. but she's kind of like oh Michael's here hey and then she'd be up and down and I think it would be a bit jarring after a while but I think the first part of the dinner would be would be lovely uh, okay. if not a little bit intimidating to be honest because I was you know just a kid <laughs> <laughs> shouldn't really be here to be honest guys yeah it's a school night it's a school night <laughs> I was already struggling Brooke, at school. Brooke was in Studio 54 and she was nine so she's yeah. used to like different people hanging out together an older man like me 12 <laughs> 
<laughs> okay, so you're at the Italian restaurant. Kenny G, Michael mm. Bolton's there. Where do you head to next? Um, I think Brooke would probably know a fabulous bar down the road, a wine bar. We'd probably have to go down some stairs into oh, uh, yep. into a basement. Uh, she'd almost certainly know the proprietor. And, it's very you know, Brooke-led date. This is Brooke's the yeah, one. No, yeah, Brooke, no, Brooke would definitely be in charge. Definitely. Okay. There'd probably be some paps that we'd have to navigate. Yeah, I think it would probably be a, a fancy wine bar. Now, is Andre dancing or is he sat down? Andre sat down. Yeah, he sat down. <laughs> Need a break. He's not really into all that stuff. I yeah, think he wants, yeah, he's just she's up, she's up dancing, and he's he's falling in love. He's he's madly in love. So therefore, he kind of just accepts that they're different in that way. Right. Okay. So me and Andre sit and chat while Brooke dances with Bolton and G, mm-hmm. and their wives. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's an impromptu dance floor. There's not actually a dance floor, but they sort of make one with their sort of with her exuberance. Okay, I've got a big question for you. This is I want you to answer this. I think before you answer this, it's quite right, warm miss. in the nightclub. Andre Agassi takes his sweater off. Does he yep. tie it around his waist or does he tie it around <laughs> his shoulders? Um, I think he'd be embarrassed to tie it around his his shoulders. Uh, I think he'd probably associate that with the kind of yuppie rich kid vibe which he doesn't associate with the menendez brothers look you know so he'd probably tie it around his waist or put it on a chair or he'd give it to a fan he'd give it to a fan give it to a fan he'd throw it into a crowd <laughs> was he of which they were just for, one would form yeah um, is he someone that didn't grow up with a lot of money and then was sort of in lots of these tennis club circles around rich kids and came to kind of despise them a little bit is that the vibe i get that vibe from him I think he was, yeah, his dad had come as, a, as a, an immigrant and worked extremely hard to build a life for them. So I don't think it was like standard middle class mm, yeah. lifestyle. And then his, his dad would put him up. tennis being a kind of rich kid sport, he would have been yeah. hanging around a lot of those little brats. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and he, would be, he would be put into duels by his dad in sort of bets. His dad would use him as, as, a, as leverage in a bet. So he'd have to play much older people in sort of in one set to see who would win and then he'd get money. Um, he would win money against movies, stars and pop stars and rich kids. Oh, that's so creepy. Mm. That's horrible. Poor I think they Andre. definitely could do a stay up all night comparing who had the worst parents. Yeah. <laughs> Did their parents ever meet? Because I see a love match there. <laughs> so I, think, mm. I think that's the real romance. What are their star signs? <laughs> They're probably both too brittle. <laughs> Someone has to give, don't they, for love to work? Yeah, it's true. Well, so after dating for four years, which is quite long compared to most couples on the pod, they get married. Apparently, mm. getting married was when it all started to go wrong for these crazy kids. This is what Brooke says. After we got married, it hit me all of a sudden. I knew I had made a mistake. For the next two years, we saw little of each other. I was working on my show, Suddenly Susan, and he was playing at various tournaments. He alienated me when when he lost and on to the next tournament after he won. We were drifting apart. Yeah. Oh, God. Well, I don't think the signs were good anyway, because in the book, he talks about when he proposed and he oh, was yeah, proposing. Was I've, I've, I've actually saved the page. Do you want to oh. hear the proposal story? Yes, please. Yes, please. All right. I stretch as though I'm about to play a match. I shake out my legs, then suggest a stroll. Yes, Brooke says. 
That sounds like a lovely idea. She takes a sip of wine, smiles casually, no idea what's coming. We walk for ten minutes until we reach a part of the beach where we can't see any sign of civilization. I crane my neck to make sure no one is coming. No tourists, no paparazzi, the coast is clear. I think of that line from Top Gun. I had the shot. There was no danger, so I took it. I fall a few steps behind Brooke and drop to one knee on the sand. She turns, looks down, all of the colour drains from her face as the colours of the sunset grow more vivid. So even the sunset was more interested than she was. Brooke Krista Shields. She's mentioned in conversation many times that any man who proposes to her had better use her full legal name, Brooke Krista Shields. I never knew why and never thought to ask, but now it comes back to me. I repeat, Brooke Krista Shields. She puts a hand on her forehead. Wait, she says, what? Are you? Wait, I'm not ready. That makes two of us. She's wiping away tears as I pull the ring box from my pocket and crack it open and remove the ring and slide it onto her finger. Brooke Krista Shields, will you? She's pulling me to my feet. I'm kissing her and thinking, I really wish I'd thought this through. Is this the person that Andre Kirk Agassi is supposed to spend the next 90 years with? Yes, she says. Yes, yes, yes. Wait, I think. Wait, wait, wait. Wow. Oh, my Yikes. God. <laughs> These people, did they get on at all? What was going on? Earlier in the chapter, he says he was lying in bed working out whether he should break up with her or propose to her. I never think that's no. a good sign. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Had he, he, no, he hadn't had a major, it was just straight from Babs to Brooke. Babs uh, to yeah. Brooke. Babs yeah, to Babs, Brooke, classic. Babs, we, we're still quite sceptical whether there was any sort of, <laughs> Um, Tom Listen, going on. It, no matter what way, if you are friends with 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 Barbara Streisand, that has an impact on a man, and it's mm. going to be intimate in some way, no matter what. She's getting involved. In in preparation for their wedding, Brooke wanted to lose weight and and change her body shape a little bit, so she picked a photograph of Steffi Graf <gasps> to put on the fridge, so that every time she went to the fridge, she saw the body she wanted yeah. to have. Did you know this? And instead, not... Andre saw the body he wanted to have. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> That's crazy. That's also crazy. I did that as like a teenage girl, putting up photos of pretty girls everywhere that I wanted to look like when you wanted to lose weight. When you're like 12, I can't imagine. That's a classic insecure 12-year-old stuff. And after about a week, my mom, my mom was like, we're not doing this anymore. And then to do that in your, she was in her 30s at this point. Yeah. She, and, she, still, and also she was like really good looking. <laughs> yeah. She vision boarded. She vision boarded. The, she's the secreted Steffi mm. Graf and Andre Agassi Yeah, together. she manifested it. She, she only has herself to blame, really. Yeah, 100%. So this is what... Um, Take some responsibility, on- Brooke. <laughs> <laughs> this is what Andre said about getting married. I had a thought no man should have on his wedding day. I wished I was leaving. I wished I had a decoy groom to take my place. Oh, my God. <laughs> This is horrible. Also, even if you thought that way, would you? Why do you have to write that down in a book? I mean, Jesus, keep it to yourself. My God. Uh, it's just last minute nerves, Andre. We <laughs> Classic. all think that. Classic cold feet. I wish I had a decoy crew. I wish it was anyone but me doing this. <laughs> Jesus. So that's when the problems really started to flag up. So oh, is it? <laughs> <laughs> so here is something. Especially things- as he said it out loud. <laughs> So, like I said, Andre would be very moody. So, if, if I was better to say a gig went well, Freudian slip. If a 
tennis match went well, he was like, oh yeah, whatever, on to the next one. But if it went badly, he was a real little moody, moody little Martin. Mm. And he said, apparently people were saying he didn't want to be Mr. Brooke Shields. Andre is not the hang around celebrity wife kind of guy. So yeah, party. as we remember from dinner and drinks uh, that I had dinner with them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, there, there was foreshadowing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Apparently, he hated Hollywood people and she hated tennis. Yeah. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> Did they know who each other were when they decided to get married? <laughs> Neither of them ever thought to ask, so what do you do? Tennis? <laughs> oh, God, no. I hate tennis. Well, why? what do you do? <laughs> acting? Oh, God, I hate acting. <laughs> Let's spend our lives together. Bye. <laughs> I don't know what I want right now. I don't know if I want to get to know you or never see you again. <laughs> so one of her pre- one of her colleagues on Suddenly Susan said he could be quite intimidating when he showed up on set. Everything mm. shut down and everyone let them have their space, said a colleague. Even when times were good, if she didn't pay attention to him right away, there was a problem. He seemed pretty overbearing. Yeah, he was also probably quite quiet and quiet people sometimes are just quite intimidating anyway, aren't they? Yeah. Because everyone's like, what are they thinking? Especially a bunch of like actors as well. Yeah. Want some fawning. Wasn't, what's his name from Breakfast Club and Suddenly Susan? Judd. Yeah, Judd Nelson. Judd Nelson. He played the editor. And he always seems like he had a bit of a chip in his shoulder. His career never quite went where he wanted to. I bet bet he was the source who didn't like, didn't like um, like, Andre. If you think of like, athletes at the top of their career that means like from a very young age they spent like eight hours a day like kicking a ball or like hitting like not talking to other people i think yeah. it must, they must have such especially, bad social skills especially mm. tennis people who are tennis and golfers there's just such an independent solo game it's really common tennis players are weird yeah <laughs> but golfers at least golfers have their caddy to talk yeah. to yeah. tennis players caddy, actually, yeah. are not even allowed to be coached during the game they've got to just be out there on their own for hours on end yeah it is a very odd yeah it's the complete opposite of being acting in a group of people do you know the story of andre going to see brooke in in friends oh well so i'm literally just getting to this so ah. one of the most infamous moments was he went along so around this time brooke was sort of making a comeback she was establishing mm-hmm. herself as like an adult actor she was in suddenly susan and she also made a famous cameo on friends yep. playing an obsessed fan of mm-hmm. joey so as part of that scene she played the obsessed fans who was confusing him with Dr. Dr. Drake oh, Ramore or whatever. Drake Ramore. Well done, Drake Ramore. Oh, right. Dr. Drake Ramore. And so he's on set with her, Andre. And as part of the scene, she licks Matt LeBlanc's yeah. hand. Then out of the corner of her eye, she sees Andre storming off set. He's really annoyed. He's like, you've humiliated me. So he flies back to their house and smashes Every single trophy he owns. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh my God. I can't believe me on the flight home. We didn't go, oh, do you know what? I'll probably be all right. I'll talk to him about it the whole way home. Oh, oh my. my God. This is insane. And then he yeah. smashed up every. I mean, I didn't, I think it would take me all night to smash up one trophy. The trophies are like big things, you know? Yeah. Have you seen a Wimbledon trophy? They're really, how do you even do that? Well, they're all, all like glass. And yeah, metal. They're all like, yeah, they're all metal. They're really like marble and shit. 
Oh my god! <laughs> so he has no trophies left. <laughs> he got he got them remade later, didn't he? Well, so Did Brooke Shields felt so bad about it. She got them yeah, she all should, that place. dirty cow. Shame on her for playing the role. She should have turned it down. And it took her three years. So replacing the trophies took longer than their marriage. Mm. Oh my god, this is great. Did he open the door one day and there were all his trophies were on the doorstep with a note saying it's over? <laughs> <laughs> so the signs were there, you know, that things were not going well. And then... <laughs> were the signs ever there that things were going well? There's been no good signs so far. <laughs> Then Andre sat Brooke down and there was Broke something... the shocking news to her. <laughs> no, well, he had some more news. He'd one last little kicker. Oh, he no. sat down and told her that for the whole first part of their relationship together, he had been addicted to crystal meth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That happened by accident, though, didn't it? Because his uh, his it security guard, I think, or his house, like someone who worked in his house, was this guy who just because said, "Oh, do you want to get chilled or something? Do you want to get mellow?" <laughs> so they, I think, they smoked something or how do you do meth? Yeah, you smoke it, don't you? Uh, yeah, and he just said, "Oh," and then he was like absolutely wired and just really focused for a whole night. He was just running around the house, cleaning the house, just feeling so focused. But then, yeah, obviously it's quite addictive. A bit Moorish. Very Moorish. <laughs> so he was on. Oh right, okay. So that's that, that's that's some big news for Brooke. So okay. Brooke yeah. says about this: I was the one who had supported him unconditionally when he told me that he was basically bald and had been wearing hair pieces with his adult <laughs> wife. Basically why, bald. Why would this have been any different? I would have been his biggest advocate and supporter. <laughs> I, I, I stuck with you when you were bald, you short freak. And now you're doing crystal meth. <laughs> they do not. I feel like um, I might be jumping ahead, but I feel like these two, there's no kind of like, oh, they speak fondly of each other. They speak really badly of each other. Like they're going to die hating each other. Yeah. I think that could be useful, though. It stops you, definitely stops you getting back together, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. They're current paramours. I haven't got to worry about these two falling back in love. This is not a Barbara. This is not Barbara number two for him. Mm. Well, so sadly, that was it. And after only two years of marriage, they filed for divorce in 1999. So, mm. Tom, we come to that big question. The mm. reason why we're doing this podcast to try and learn something from this romantic car crash. <laughs> Brooke and Andre, why do you think it didn't work? I think because uh, they didn't like each other. They didn't respect <laughs> each other. They didn't love each other. Uh, they didn't want to be together. Um, yeah, I think there's probably other reasons, but those are the main ones. Those are the main ones. Quickly, kinds of questions. I actually thought they divorced way earlier. Like in my mind, they were like an eighties to nineties couple, which obviously I was totally wrong about. But he, did he get with Steffi like immediately after? Well, it, there's there's a weird coincidence with. We'll, we'll come to that. Don't worry. I'll give you the dates of when. Okay. Okay. But do you think it was like? Do you think they were just they had such similar childhoods and they look so similar that they just were like 
this should work. It, it was almost like Romeo and Juliet, you know, looking at each other. Mm. So, without all the love part. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know that scene of Claire Danes and Leonardo DiCaprio? They're looking at each other through the aquarium and they're like mm. these two little fish that recognise mm. each other. Okay, do first think... of all, I'm offended that you said, do you know that scene? <laughs> How, show some fucking respect. Yes, we all know the scene, Grania. <laughs> that scene's ingrained <laughs> in everyone's brain. But do you think they, and they look so similar. They just yeah. were like, they felt this like real sort of trauma bond. And then we're like, oh, actually, <laughs> apart from really terrible childhoods, we don't have we anything. We got nothing. I mean, it could also just be that they fancied each other, couldn't it? He's gorgeous. She's gorgeous. I mean, when I meet gorgeous people, I just go, oh, I bet she's had a difficult childhood as well. I don't do that. I just go, oh, she's attractive. I want to talk to her. You know, and if we get on well enough, if you fancy someone, the rapport sort of does itself, doesn't it? Yeah. Rapport sort of just works itself out, really. And even Do if you, you don't really had, fundamentally like... get on, you're like, nah, we, ah, it's fine. We're good. We, we're good. Because you're like, I fancy the pants with you. So, you know, you sort of do a sort of contortion, don't you, to make it work. So you think they just sort of had such a sexual connection? They don't. But yet, bizarrely enough, neither of them seem like very sexually forward people mm. like when I think of them as good looking as they both are particularly yeah. Brooke Shields and as what a sex symbol she was and him as well something about them is both of them is a bit asexual maybe I don't really I can't really picture either of them having sex as much as I would love to as much as you can imagine him with with uh, Barbara I can imagine them yeah. I think you're right though I think that was a bit asexual I think they probably did just hang out I don't think of either of them as very do you know what I mean mm. there's, there's, there's kind of there's just not yeah it's hard to picture it's hard to she's not sexy she's very beautiful but and he's kind of sulky and shy and a little awkward kind of in a mood all the time he's not kind of can't imagine him front foot coming in the room with a towel around his neck and nothing else holding his racket and it's bizarre. So I don't really know what kept these two. I just don't know why they ever got well, together. According but, to know. Brooke, they barely saw each other for the whole time yeah. they were married. Right. But yeah. they did divorce in 1999. And then they both, weirdly enough, remarried two years later. Two different people. Sorry, mm. I should add. And um, Real fast. Brooke got married to television writer Chris Henchy, 2001. They have two daughters. And then Andre got married to Steffi Graf, also in 2001, and they also have two children. Yes. So nice symmetry. Maybe, maybe Brooke and Andre, you say they never saw each other. Maybe they were just constantly waiting to hang out. <laughs> maybe they decided, maybe if we hang out, we'll fall in love. Yeah. And it just, they never got around to it and thought, oh, never mind. <laughs> we can't seem to get our schedules to match. And then they found yeah. people whose schedules they could match with. Yeah. And, but I wonder if Steffi liked tennis because it must have been weird to be with a tennis person who hates tennis. I think she struggled tennis with person. tennis too. I think she, uh, okay, so she'd also similar. come from quite a, a militant parenting style. I don't right, think there's okay. anyone at the top of their game in tennis or sport that doesn't come from that. Is there tennis anyone whose parents does were seem laid to be, back? Yeah, tennis does seem to especially draw a certain kind of domineering parent. Does yeah. anybody like tennis? Maybe that's the secret. Nobody actually <laughs> likes tennis. <laughs> I'm beginning, I mean, I'm pretty sure I liked it, but now I'm beginning to question myself. Do I like tennis? <laughs> I don't play it, but do I even enjoy watching it? I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> Is it so all, all, those, all those Wimbledon fans, they just come down because they like the sort of putting on chinos and eating sort of strawberries and there. stuff. Maybe people just like pims, drinking during the day and strawberries and ice cream. Pims. And they think, oh, yeah. I like tennis, but they don't. <laughs> 
I'd like it if everyone enjoys watching it, but everyone playing it like deeply hates it this entire time. Every single tennis player in the world just fucking hates it. And we all just watch those. This is a form of torture we've let happen. The gladiators, modern day gladiators. Exactly. I don't know if Andy Murray loves it. I can't tell. He seems a bit fed up, doesn't he? Oh, this fucking tennis. McEnroe definitely hated it. Actually, Federer. I think Federer might actually like it. I think Federer likes it. Yeah, but he's yeah, but he's the only one. <laughs> if Federer turns him. out to be like have a dodgy secret, that would be interesting, won't it? Because he seems pretty squeaky. Yeah, too squeaky. Mm. I'd love wow. it if he had like a secret life, another wife somewhere, mm. or another husband. You've gone too deep in my head. Sorry, <laughs> I have no <laughs> idea who any of these people are. <laughs> Federer. I was like, isn't he the COVID denier? And I realised I was thinking of somebody else. <laughs> That's David Icke. Yeah. <laughs> They're all watch models. That's all they are, watch models to me. They are. Yeah. Yes. So, Tom, we have now come to the whole reason we're here. Every couple, after a splish, there's one you worry about and there's one that you think they're doing well. There's a winner and there is a loser of every splish. In the great breakup between Brooke Shields and Andre Agassi, who thrived and who simply survived? Is it always one or the other? It has yeah. to be. Yeah. For it's the purposes binary. of this podcast? In life. In life. Let's you in life bend, Do you want me to bend the truth for your whim <laughs> just to give this podcast Who? a kind of symmetry? Yes, Who please. won the breakup? <laughs> your friends. You were that little 12-year-old boy having that wonderful night out with Brooke and Andre. Yeah, you should know. Yeah. And you have all your notes. Well, I was more drawn to Andre, as you know, and I've only read his autobiography. So I'm very lopsided in this. I have no interest in reading Brooks because I've already decided that Andre is right. <laughs> and you know what? I love seeing his development and how he discovered himself uh, throughout the book. That was the theme of the book, that he didn't know who he was. He'd been drifting all through his life, doing what his dad wanted him to do. He changed his hair. He changed his style. He was labeled a brat when he wasn't. He was just a quiet kid who didn't know what he wanted. And through this relationship, I feel like he got closer to discovering who he was, what he needed, the kind of person he wanted to be with. And I just love the fact that him and Steffi have such a a high-functioning relationship. And Mm. he set up a school for disadvantaged kids, and she was around when he was doing that. And they have this dreamy family life, as far as I know, at the time of going to press. You know, things could things could have changed, um, but yeah, I think Andre won simply because uh, he was so persuasive in his side of events that I have no interest in buying her book. <laughs> I don't want to know, Brooke. I don't want to know. I don't care what your excuses were. Excuses. You shouldn't lick a man's be... hand, whether it's a roll or not. <laughs> main takeaway if you have a boyfriend or husband never lick another man's hand under any circumstances no. you're asking for trouble and no one will ever believe your side of the tale if you do and stop dancing just sit down and talk talk to us we're here we want to have a nice chat we just had a massive ball of pasta we can't dance now Brooke. come on yeah maybe if you talk to your husband a bit more often instead of squawking shouting over 90s pop <laughs> You know, maybe this would have worked out. I mean, I do you have an opinion on this, Grainne, of who won? I do have a lot of affection for Brooke because Tom oh, Cruise was really awful to her when she talked about her postnatal depression and then Tom Cruise weighed in and said it, oh, she yeah. just made it up. So I feel... But well, maybe I feel, she did. Maybe she did make it up. 
But Have you asked on... yourself that? <laughs> and she lives in Greenwich Village. She lives in a house in Greenwich Village, and that's like the dream. Um, but do you that's know what? That's next she's... to the Cutty Sark, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but she's married to a comedy writer. So, so that loses points there. Yeah, so, and he's ma- he's got his own school for little children who want to, oh, you know, do well. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Andre. You're team Andre as well. I'm gonna say that because she's married to a TV writer, and that can't be easy. Oh, I sorry. I thought you said her TV writer boyfriend husband had a school for children as well, which <laughs> oh, is most what no. schools are for, really, for children. Yeah, but, exactly. But <laughs> no, it's Andre. You were talking school. about Andre, right? Okay. <laughs> I. Or I should say, sorry, we're massively overrunning, but I just remember I have a connection with Brooke Shields because I, when I was 21, I went to New York for the first time and I saw her in Studio 54 in Cabaret playing Sally Bowles. Oh, yes, I remember when she was in Cabaret. That's right. And I remember watching it being all like, oh, my God, because, you know, this was like a Broadway show. And I was like, oh, my God, this is glamorous. This is glamorous. And, and she that's did... the role that the celebs play. So she did her big maybe oh, this yes. time moment. And I remember in my head thinking, ooh, kind of well, maybe sounds a little bit scratchy, but I was so dazzled <laughs> by celebrity and showbiz. And then at the table beside me were two so gay men, I'd say in their 50s, maybe 60s. Oh, they're going to tell the truth. And I heard one say to the other, ugh, that was a bit of a bit difficult, wasn't it? <laughs> and I remember it was the first time I heard, I just was like, before I was like, everybody famous must be brilliant at everything. And I remember I was just like, oh, it was like putting my ear into another world about being really mean about famous people. Mm. So um, I remember that gay couple more than I remember Brooke Shields, to be Maybe honest. you've seen that gay couples what led to this podcast, Grania. You oh. just have to only be like them one day. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to sit there and bitch about people I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that looks fun. <laughs> that was honestly a, like a... If you, they were doing a, mem- a biography of my life, that gay couple would have to be played by like really good, like famous actors because that's mm. how big of an influence they have. I think Kevin Spacey should play one of him and that should be his his comeback role. <laughs> One of the men with moustaches and canes being bitchy about Brooke Shields. It may, it probably, one of them probably was him at the time, to be honest. Who knows? Yeah, he found it difficult because he wasn't, she wasn't his type at all. I think that, to go back to the original question, though, I do think that Andre... Basically, Tom Ward, you made your point. I think you made your case, and mm. I have to be on Andre's side as well. And I don't, Yeah, Brooke Shields is just... Yeah, it just didn't end the way it should have ended. Really, she did, she's doing fine. She seems happy. I guess she's she's accepted. I'm not, I haven't got any talent. I'm just going to sit here and raise. Well, I mean, it happens. Yeah, and she like, lives in North Greenwich, so gorgeous. you know, good like, transport links. She can get to Canary Wharf quite easily. Yeah, exactly. She can go Great to up the creek in like five minutes. Yeah, no problem. So, uh, uh, Chantal, you've got our final big question. Oh, we do, Tom. We ask all our guests this. That there is a lady out there who's presently, apparently, with someone, but we don't really see it lasting. So we're hoping for you to put your thinking cap on mm. and see if you can imagine someone who could okay. go out with the one, the only, Cher. Ooh. Ooh. Who would be good for Cher? Because I think she's so bloody charming, isn't she? Mm. So charming. Uh, so reassuring. Oh, it's a tough one, this. Mm. My, my brain is drawn a complete blank and I really don't want to let Cher down on this. 
you could put yourself forward as a the possible thing is Cher, No, I wouldn't want to have sex with Cher. I respect her too much. <laughs> oh, um, wow. You just said a novel there, my friend. I want to have the kind <laughs> of relationship. With therapist. Well, me and Cher. Whoops. I only sleep with people I don't I like or respect. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I would have a, if it was me and Cher, it'd be like Andre and, and Streisand. I think it would be a lot of really good chats. I think she'd introduce me to good wine and records that I've not heard. Singers Definitely. that I dismissed. Uh, I'm going to go for, uh, oh, oh, Jesus. I'm really not good at remembering things. Uh, I'm just going to look at my wall. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, this is. This okay, is... I, okay, I know the poster behind you. is That's a Tapeheads poster, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I think. So I, I know who's in that film. I, I, so if you choose right, either of look, them. I know. I know this seems like I'm just plucking names from my wall. All right. But I do think Tim Robbins and Cher would be fantastic. <laughs> I, knew I knew it. It was him or Cusack. I knew it. I'll I should have turned to my fair. camera off. To be to be fair, I think you may have actually hit onto a bit of a winner there mm. because Tim Robbins is obviously like he went with Susan Sarandon. Exactly. Turbo, Same age. Turbo, and politically, they'd be very aligned. Exactly. We all know Cher is a massive activist now. Yeah. I think Tim was, I mean, he's had that a lot. He knows how to handle that. He likes curly hair, clearly. He likes an older woman, clearly. There you go. It's perfect. And it's so not it's just... actually... It makes sense. Tim Robbins it, and Cher would be wonderful. It really does make a lot of sense. Yeah. They're so both great and... actors. Um, he's yeah. nice and tall. He's yeah. a tall woman. You can imagine him being really good in bed. I reckon he'd yeah. be, have a yeah. little bit of that, a little bit of meanness in a good way. Mm. Yeah. Not psychological like, think... warfare, just a kind of enough of that, <laughs> that rough stuff that women seem to like. <laughs> God. Between this and the respects comment earlier on, we're learning a lot about Tom Ward today. <laughs> so you actually did, um, you actually yeah. did well. Yeah, in Tim the Robbins. End, we got there, but I think Tim it Robbins was satisfying. Was really it was a mm. shaggy dog story, but it was a satisfying conclusion. Yeah. Yeah, just chop out seven minutes of me going, yeah. uh, Timothy <laughs> Chalamet. Uh... Save it your eight for your ASMR video. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. <laughs> Well, thank you so much, thank Tom. Thank you, that was Tom. Oh, I loved it. Where can our listeners find more of you? You can find me on uh, tour. I'm going on tour. I'm on tour now over the next three months, and you can find all the dates on my Instagram, Tom Ward Comedian, and Linktree, Tom Ward Comedian, and my website, Tom Ward Voice. You can hear Highly me on Abandoned Engineering, narrating that. If you like uh, TV shows about dereliction and historical sites of uh, interest. Well, we're about <laughs> historical romances of interest. So, yeah. so derelict sure hearts. I'm sure there's a yeah, derelict hearts. There's a Venn diagram in there somewhere. I know it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely go see Tom. He's one of the best comedians in the country. So if you haven't had the treat of seeing him live, do go and see him. Find out when he's it's worth on stage near you. Thank you. Thank you. Great Thanks, to talk to you. Tom. The Way They Were is an Amanda Redman production produced by Abby Weaver and Amanda Redman. We want to hear your celebrity couple crush, so email us on thewaytheywerepod at gmail.com or find us on Twitter at thewaytheywerepod and we're on Instagram at thewaytheywerepodcast. Thanks to you for listening. Until the next time, goodbye. Goodbye. The The Way way They they were. Were.